customary drink of water before we start, just to clear the throat. Mm. Alex has tea. I'm very jealous. In my in my I crusty crab mug. Oh, nice. That is... The crusty crab pizza is the pizza for you and me. Um, all right, I'll get started in a few seconds, and then um, we'll get going. You're listening to Unsubscribe, a podcast where we explore all things sales development to give SDRs and managers alike the tools they need to succeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Unsubscribe, uh, five questions with Demand Drive. And today we've got a hodgepodge of people on the podcast. It's not just me. Uh, your humble host, AJ, who is here every week, but I'm joined by a co-host this week. Alex, what's going on? That's me. How's it going, AJ? <laughs> I'm good. Uh, I'm excited because I, I brought Alex on because I was going to get outnumbered by the guests this week, and I really don't like that. I want to be on even footing at most, if possible. Um, <laughs> so I've got two guests this week, Matt Berman and Craig Ferrara, Demand Drive's own um, and we're going to be talking about aligning SDRs and management while apart. Uh, very topical for the current era that we live in within the sales world of uh, working from home. So thought it would be um, appropriate to bring on a manager and SDR duo that we have here at Demand Drive to talk about their story and, and you know, potentially help some of the listeners better understand how to align their own teams at their company. So before I jump into some of the questions, uh, as always, I'll start by letting the guests introduce themselves. So Craig, you're first up on my, my little screen here. Why don't you tell people who you are? Who is Craig Ferrara? Who is Craig Ferrara? <laughs> so uh, hello, everybody. Uh, so I'm Craig Ferrara. I am a director of client operations here at Demand Drive. Um, been with the, with the organization as a whole for a little over 10 months now. And and I've had uh, been in the business development world for a while, right? Um, it's been an interesting world, right? Uh, over the last 10 months, we're all kind of getting used to the new normal uh, and, and managing people during a pandemic. So very interested in diving into the topic today. Yep, and uh, I am Matt Berman. Um, I joined Demand Drive June 1st. So it's been about nine months or so, but all of those months I've been working with Craig um, on survey.com and yeah, definitely excited to be here and share uh, what's been working for us. Love to hear it. Um, speaking of the fact that that Matt has only been here for nine months, I think that segues really nicely into the first question. Um, Matt, you're in a really unique position where working from home is the only real professional experience you've had. You'd like don't know what it's like to work in the demand drive office, let alone an office as you know a post grad professional, um, which is really interesting. So uh, I, I'll get to you in a second. But um, Craig, you have obviously worked in an office before. You mentioned that you obviously have some experience. So in terms of like how you're managing somebody like Matt currently in a work from home setting versus how you would be doing it in an office, um, what do you see uh, that's changed? And um, specifically in the past, like, you know, year or so that we've been in this pandemic situation, um, what does what your management style kind of look like before and now? Yeah, um, my, well, it's funny, you know, you try not to change yourself or, or, you know, kind of reinvent the wheel to a degree, right? You want to mm -hmm. approach people the same way you ordinarily would, but most of that, most of that is now accomplished on a video call, right? As opposed to in person. Um, 
And yeah, I think that that one, that's one of the biggest shifts, right? Because I think you're ordinarily able to relay information just through kind of the as, as you're working with people throughout the day in an office environment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and AJ, we talked about this a lot. And we like this term, but like you know, the, you know, wanting my team in a lot of ways to sort of learn from each other, right? Yep. Not only from me, but learning from each other. And like the idea of kind of learning through osmosis, where you sit next to somebody. They share a cube wall with you and you hear what they're saying day to day. Well, that you know, doesn't really exist anymore, right? We have to create forums. Like I have to create a world in which everybody can communicate the same way, but in a virtual capacity, as opposed right. to leaning over and being able to share a piece of information or just hearing something that someone's saying like, shit, I, shoot, I'm going to grab that and, and use it for my own uh, purposes. Right. Um, and, you know, I think that that's something that's, it's, that's, that's new. And, and, and for me, as, as a boss, it's a lot about empowering people, you know, and giving them the tools and the resources to recognize what could potentially make them better at the job. But, you know, it's now creating more of the virtual form to be able to do that. So that could be through a Slack channel, which is something we're using regularly. If you don't have Slack, then maybe it's just a, a G chat form or just a chat form where everybody's using and piling into their own ideas. So we can kind of use our own shared best practices. Cause you know, for me, and they're trying to hear what Matt's saying on the phone needs to be scheduled now. Right. Right. Not something I can just do and pop by and listening to and making calls. So it's just being more prescriptive in how you're working with your team, setting those times up, making sure that happens, setting those meetings if necessary, and also creating the forms where everybody can collectively empower themselves to know what they can do to how to do the job better. Yeah, I really like the way that you kind of ended that the the collective empowerment of yourself. Like you as an as a manager, you understand like I've got to change how I'm kind of enabling my reps to learn from one another and and sort of level up themselves. But like, you know, you have to communicate that to the SDRs as well and go like, Hey, it's kind of on you guys a little bit at this point, now that I don't basically see you every day, or I'm not like continually in your presence, I'm kind of leaving a little bit of it up to you to, to do this on your own, because that's just the way it has to be. Yeah, I mean, I would argue now um, in this new world, right, um, until we all are back in the office or whatever that could potentially look like, you know, six months, 10 months, who, who knows? Um, <laughs> right. But, you know, I, I, I'd argue that you've, we've created a, a group of reps in this new generation, right? Especially like, you know, maybe if it's a recent college graduate or someone that's new to business development like Matt, where... Like, I feel like they all level up automatically. You become self-starters. We all need to become self-starters in a sense because you don't have the capability of kind of leaning on someone unless that, unless it's a message, right? Or, you know, or like, I'm not going to bother Craig with a Slack message right now, or I'm not going to bother appear with that message. I'm going to try to figure that out on my own, right? And, and, and I think that that's really what we're trying to create here in a sense is like, or what I'm seeing is these reps are just leveling up on their own without having me to push them to be that way, right? They're, they're figuring a lot of this stuff on their own because they kind of have to. You're left in many ways to your own devices because you're sitting in your, your bedroom or your living room trying to figure it out right now solo. Uh, you don't have a peer you're sitting next to to help answer that question for you. So automatically you kind of training your brain and creating the muscle to figure it out on your own. Yeah, yeah and I really like the way that sort of um, positions the SDRs for the future. And I think it's a really interesting way to, you know, point out like there were managers shouldn't be a crutch for an SDR, but if they have to be, they will be right. So a lot of times 
when everyone was in the office, it was a lot easier. You know, you leave your door open, maybe they just sit right outside of it or just a couple of desks away. It's super easy. Sometimes you don't even get up, just swing their head around and go, Hey, you know, how do I, how do I log this in Salesforce right. again? Oh, thank you. Like even little things like that, where it's, you know, they know how to do that. They probably know they know how to do that, but because you've been helping them do it the whole time, sure. it's hard for them, you know, to let go. I guess hard for you to let go maybe too as well, but yeah. um yeah, that's an interesting thing that I hadn't really thought too much about of about how right now now SDRs new SDRs really have to do more for themselves as much as the manager can try and help them out. True. Yeah, hundred percent agree. Um, Matt, you're the SDR in this situation. You know, you're the the person Craig is basically talking about in this in in this instance, the colloquial SDR, the the self starter, the person who has to figure it out on their own. Um, because you've been in a work from home environment the entire time that you've been a demand drive. So um, think about, I guess, like what it would be like if you were theoretically in the office based on kind of, you know, the stuff that Craig was saying, how, how do you think that your development would look then versus now um, seeing as it's hundred percent remote? Yeah, I think it's a really interesting thing to think about. Um, like if things, um, happened differently. And I was going into the office every single day um, to echo what Craig said, like with the, the self-starter and like being proactive um, and just trying to like experiment. I don't know if I would have had as much autonomy as I do, like just being at home in my house, because it's like, there's no one else to model what I'm doing after. So like, that's something I think like maybe at first I would have been better on the phones, just being in that like atmosphere where everybody's on the phones and like you can hear people using different phrases or like their approaches to different things. Or you can just like shout over to someone and say like, hey, what would you respond to this email? Like in the scenario that we're in now, you kind of have to take it upon yourself to, to reach out to people. And I think that's um, something that's made me super successful. So like I actually have to schedule time with people to um, talk about things and like making that um, like a weekly recurring thing has been helpful. And I don't know if it would have been as uh, like organized or forthright if we were just all in the office. Like when I first started, quick shout outs, uh, like I had time with like Lee Baker and Pat Burns um, very often just so I could like you know, adapt what they were doing into like my style and try to implement that the best I could. And obviously it's worked. Like you, you mentioned Lee, who is a member of the Demand Drive President's Club. Matt, you were just named to the President's Club. Like that's something, yeah, for, yeah first of all, it claps. Um, but I think, yeah, you bring up a really good point. Like if you're learning, if you're trying to learn how to be the best SDR, you're going to go to the best, but like you're also in turn, becoming the best by learning from the best. And you don't think that's something you would have been able to do in the office. It's, it's kind of uh, to use a phrase that I think Alex you, or word you use a lot behooved you uh, to sort of start remote in that situation and, and, and sort of pinpoint who you can learn from and then adopt those styles, which I think is really interesting. Yeah, I, I think it might've been a little overwhelming too if there was like a hundred people in the office and like, like, well, who do I turn to? But it's like mm -hmm. remotely, I can like isolate like talking to Craig be like, who are people that you manage that, that do this really well? Or like when I was training with Chelsea and she's like, Hey, Lee Baker is really good on the phones. Like that's someone you should turn to. 
Um, it made it really easy to just like talk to them in a vacuum and like absorb as much as possible. Yeah, and that's an interesting perspective because right, you know, AJ and I started as SDRs in right an office environment like that. And a lot of it really is dictated by who you're sort of randomly assigned to sit next to a lot of the time. So mm-hmm. if you're fortunate enough to sit by some some top performing reps, you're probably gonna at the very least ramp up more quickly than somebody who, you know, just happens to sit by maybe some reps that are that are average, that are okay, but they're not they're not going to provide that sort of deep insight that you could get if you just happen to sit by someone who, who is a better SDR. So um, I guess this, I'll let you ask the actual question, AJ, but it, it sort of answers the third question, mystery question um, about the, the hidden benefits of being a, like a remote worker and being able to learn in a more um, I guess you're, you're learning in a more purposeful way, right? You're going out of your way to sort of start these conversations with the people that you know you want to learn from. Yeah, I mean, you can ask the question if you want, Alex, but I think it's also in relation to your guys's relationship, the Craig and Matt relationship and how that's developed, not just like your own, I guess, like personal development, Matt, as an SDR or Craig as a manager. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, I think I take even more an appreciation for people like Matt and, and, the average rep, I've always said this, right? I always want to hire a rep with intellectual curiosity, right? Mm-hmm. The one that's going up on LinkedIn and, and, and finding talking heads like Matt, Bar- you know, John Barrows and, 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 and people like that, right? That are going out of their way to learn, right? Now, you know, hey, that, that's always helpful. And those are resources you can get to even if you're working in an office, but probably now even more so. Um, but looking and leveraging resources that are readily available to all of us to want to learn more. Right. And, and, you know, it's on me, it's on Matt, you know, as a guy that sort of led the way to a degree to then share those resources out to the team proactively in a Slack channel to say, Hey, this is worth 10 minutes of your time. Take a read. This could help you with better in putting together better subject lines on your email outreach. Right. Um, but I, you know, and, and those are things that are always important. I've, I just would say it's even more heightened now where we have to get that much more creative to get people on the phone, right? I, we just talk, I talked to a, a, a company today um, that does a, a lot of outbound outreach and they talk about, they make a million calls a week, right? And the dial to, to conversation rate now is up to about 31, right? Whereas before pre-pandemic, it took 23 dials to get to a conversation the average company now is seeing up to 31 dials even get someone on the phone or get a response of any kind right and that's it you know it's a different world we're living in so what does that require it requires even more creativity it requires more intellectual curiosity to get better um because the same approaches that were worked pre-pandemic aren't working now and that's all you know we all need to adjust to it otherwise you know adapt or die right that's the whole mentality you i said it a bunch because i've heard it a bunch um but since March, um, realistically, like the start of all of this, um, engagement rates for phone and email are at all time lows, but the volume that we're sending out messages is at an all time high. So like, there's something wrong, like people, like the ocean is being continually flooded with more messaging, but Mm -hmm. they all, it's all the same color. Like you're not, it's all blue. You're not getting any green or orange or yellow messages in there. It all looks the same. Sure. 100%. Yeah. I don't think I want my ocean to be orange, AJ. That sounds... Why not? <laughs> sounds great. I'm not swimming in that. Some coral reef? I don't know. That's like a, an orange color, right? It's not red. It's not like red tide. That's different. Yeah. <laughs> 
man, but no, it's it's um, it's interesting that that you use the that I guess that volume is still up because that shows that SDRs are still putting in the work, but with engagement being low, I feel like maybe that does point to the the disconnect that a lot of people have from their managers and from their peers to really be able to put in the right the right amount of effort and the right type of effort to make their messages stand out and really resonate with the prospects the way they, that they ideally would want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Matt, what about you um, in relation to sort of that, that question about, you know, not just your development, but like the relationship that you have with Craig um, and sort of, you know, maybe the benefits that normally wouldn't exist if you were in an office and Craig was just down the hall. Yeah. Um, I think it all comes down. And I think this like funnels up to just the SDR role. Um, like what you're saying about, you know, if the activity's there, but the engagement's low, it, it really comes down to just being intentional with what you do. So like, maybe that means you're being a little more specific with like the email you're writing, or like you're being a little more uh, like research driven before the phone call. So like you're prepared to actually talk to who you're speaking with. Um, I think knowing that I just can't like walk into Craig's office in the middle of the day with a question makes me come to these like every Wednesday at 1030. I know that like I have time with Craig to ask any questions to talk about anything that happened. And that makes the conversation probably uh, like more efficient and more meaningful. Like we're just, we're really covering the bases and it's not a lot of, I mean, like we do have small talk. We were talking about cryptocurrency before this was uh, getting started, but I think just uh, being intentional and like actually um, scheduling that time for the purpose of communicating. It might be something that's contributing success. Yeah. So just like a general, like preparedness and awareness of the necessity for that, the dynamic between you two kind of um, the way that it's been shaped around that need because of the pandemic is obviously way different than, yeah, if you were able to just casually talk to him about something or like, yeah, I've heard stories of people who like set up pipeline reviews, like manager to SDR and they, it's 30 minutes long and they spend 24 minutes talking about the weather and sports or whatever, because you can, because it's very casual. You're both in an office and then all of a sudden you have six minutes left and it's like, oh, your pipeline looks good. Get out of here. I have another meeting. So like not really super. That's, that's that's what I remember my one-on-ones being like when I was an SDR in the office. Um, and, and you know, I any questions I had that I felt like were needed that day, they wouldn't make it all the way to the you know the weekly sync or whatever it was. So I'd ask, you know, I had a good relationship with my manager throughout the day or throughout the week, and then you know the one-on-one rolls around, and sometimes we'd be like, "Nah, I asked you all the questions I need to this week. You, we can push it if you're busy." And that's nice to do. It frees up time for both of you, but at the same time, it's not something that you really necessarily want to skip if you can help it at all. Because mm-hmm. even if you don't think you're going to go in getting something valuable, the chance that you get something valuable out of it is still pretty high. 100%. You know, and I mean, I'd argue it's probably even more important nowadays, right? We're all isolated. Now, we were talking about this, but like mental health, right, has been, you know, a consistent thing we all got to pay attention to. And, you know, my perspective, like, what I care about first and foremost, how is Matt doing? How is Matt Berman feeling? How are you adjusting to all this? Both, both like from the 
personal and a professional level, right? Um, you know, because it starts there. Your head's not in a good place, right? Um, you know, it's it's something that you know we got to make sure we help our best to manage around, right? And you know, so we've talked about this, but like you start any conversation now, we're all accustomed to just saying how you doing, right? And then someone says, yeah, doing yeah. fine, yeah, good, yeah. But no, no one's doing good right now. I mean, everybody's struggling with this. this is the bottom line, right? And starting there is kind of like our baseline to recognize I'm not doing great either, right? We're all human, right? Um, and if we start there, kind of accept that and recognize that a good portion of our interaction with our, our, our folks has got more, as much to do and was just as important to have kind of a personal connection as best as we can have as it relates and then also work through anything we want to work on from a professional development standpoint during one-on-one is great. Let's do that. But like, let's also relate to each other on a human level. Cause we're, you know, a lot of us are isolated. We don't, there's a huge disadvantage to a degree of us all being remote, not having that camaraderie, you know, and certainly something we know that's driven the success at demand drive, like having that, that culture that doesn't really exist other than through what we try to accomplish through virtual meetings and, you know, so even becomes even more important, in my opinion, as a manager to make sure that everybody, you know, within reason that you're cognizant of how they're feeling through this whole thing, because it also plays a factor in their output and capability to be able to do the job. Right. Um, sure. And, you know, consistently being aware of that is something that we all I think we all should own as managers uh, to recognize everybody's navigating, uh, you know, some tough times and, you know, trying our best to be aware of that while attempting to try to get everybody to do the job at the same yeah. time. <laughs> it's a fine balance to strike. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, so the way that you kind of portrayed that, you know, it's, and it's a common thing at a lot of organizations, management is sort of seen as the glue that kind of holds teams together. Like Craig, you said it yourself, you know, you're taking it upon yourself to make sure that like Matt and the other reps that you're managing are, are okay, both work-wise, mental-wise, like everything's moving in the right direction. Um, but you've alluded to it a couple of times and, and Matt, you have as well. And I'll ask you this question. Um, the SDRs themselves can create cohesion amongst the team on their own without the support of management, um, in cases like Matt's of, you know, finding articles that he finds valuable or podcasts that he can send to the rest of the team to help everybody level up alongside him. Um, how are, are Matt, you outside of what I exactly just mentioned kind of achieving that and then. Craig, how are you like encouraging and empowering the reps to do that? Yeah, um, I think it's definitely, it's not like a one and done type deal. Like it's a constant evolution of like, you know, building that cohesion. And I think a lot of it comes from, like you have to understand that people have different styles and approaches, especially with sales. It's like, we have these end outcomes of, X number of meetings booked a month, but there's a thousand ways to go about that. So understanding that, and like I was saying earlier with the autonomy that comes from working remotely, I try to encourage experimentation and like trying new things out um, with people on the team. And I think if you anchor that in data and like what's working and you say, you know what, we tried this out for two weeks and these are the results compared to this, uh, maybe it doesn't work out as well. And then we try to pivot. And I, I think it's, that's much more helpful than like mandating um, something across the board that like every single rep on the team has to do. And that's something I'm trying to learn um, as like a new team lead is just trying to, like Craig said, like empower people to like be 
the best versions of themselves and like how they can work with their strengths to be successful. Very cool. Yeah. I mean, I would, Matt nailed it. Clearly he's learning as a, as a team lead is the, what I would say, right? I mean, to kind of carry off of that too, you know, it's just helping everybody find their voice, right? Um, and I think that's important whether we're during a pandemic or not, but like, you know, um, you're trying your best, to, like you said, experiment, like as Matt said, and, and through experimentation, then you find your voice and what feels right to you uh, when doing this job, right? Um, you know, what makes you seem authentic? I think bottom line, like authenticity is probably one of the most important, uh, things that we need to focus on now, especially like, you know, recognizing that it's not just me and Matt that are struggling through the pandemic. It's the people we're calling to and being recognized, you know, recognizing that, uh, so authenticity message, you know, obviously simplicity, authenticity, personalization are all things that we need to consistently experiment on, you know, and I think, you know, authenticity, you know, it just ends up being come, you know, everything else is important, but that levels up to a degree now, especially sure. when we're all kind of, you know, trying to find our way through this whole thing. Yeah. It's, it's like, I've heard a lot of um, empathy is sort of part of that authenticity right. idea that like you, you need to be empathetic in everyone's situation, but um, at the beginning of all of this, and, and it's still persisted now, there's a lot of like tactical versus actual empathy where, and you can tell it from a mile away that like, Craig, what you just said, like be authentic and sort of be empathetic. Like people will look for ways around actually feeling like that and just say it in an email or relay it in a phone call. But like, you can tell when someone actually cares about what they're talking about versus when they don't and they're just doing it to potentially, you know, butter you up a bit or and get a meeting. So I think yeah. it's a really interesting point um, that yeah, authenticity above everything, especially now, like actual legitimate authenticity is so important. Yeah. I think um I, I forget what sales leader was saying. He was like, yeah, a lot of us function in like the B2B space, like business to business, but like at the end of the day, it's like human to human. And that's what we need to that's what we need to emphasize because it's like you're on the other side of the phone is like a human, just like you. And like Craig saying, like they're going through the day and they're, ha they're having struggles too. So it's important to, to accentuate that, you know, I, I don't know the right word for that, but. <laughs> yeah. So, so you can't look at anybody to just, they're, uh, they're an end to me, you know, means to an end, right? Like, all right, I, this person is my lead, right? It's like, well, it's also a human that you're trying to get conversation with, right? Um, you know, and, and recognizing that, and, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, we really want to try to solve a need for them. I've always said this, like, you know, when we set up meetings for, with, with our clients, you know, it's with someone that could potentially have a pain. And the idea of like setting these meetings up in a way is to make them look good in the organization. Like if we can find a need, or a pain that exists in the org, ultimately this person could, you know, could mean big things for them within the org too, if they can solve a problem that they've had trouble solving, right? And you know, the role of a BDR, ultimately that could be something we we could accomplish on their behalf, right? In a meeting. Right. Help, don't sell. That's my big thing. Right. Enjoy right it. Um, yeah. Cool. So, so we've seen what the the relationship between you two and sort of in relation to the rest of the team looks like during a pandemic. Um, Craig, you know what it was like before a pandemic, Matt, you don't, but uh, you're learning. Um, but you're both experiencing this 
now. And it won't be like this forever. Craig, you mentioned it earlier, maybe six months, maybe a year from now, who knows? Well, I'll go back into the office and things will kind of revert back to where they were, but they won't be exactly the same. I think we're going to change forever, not just as demand drive as a company, but as an industry in general, like this relationship that you guys have will never look the same now that we've experienced what we've experienced. So um, I'll ask the two of you, start with Craig, then to Matt, what do you think the SDR to manager relationship is going to look like in the future, knowing what we know and experiencing what we've experienced? Oof, uh, that's a good question. Um, and I've given that some thought. I think you, I think you take a lot of what we just talked about and the things that we can carry over to what we learned, right? Um, you know, for me, it's, you know, <clears throat> being more, you know, I, yeah, setting up these one-on-ones, still making sure that those are happening and then making sure that you come prepared as Matt talked about, like, what is it that you really want to accomplish and making the best use of those time, that, that time, you know, also making sure that a good portion of that time spent on making sure that person's okay, right? Independent of whether or not we're dealing with a pandemic or not. Like those are things that I find I'm becoming more aware of. Um, and beyond that, it's like, you know, recognizing that I'm, while I'm important, I don't have to be as important. Everybody can self help each other self-manage, right? Everybody, you know, while I want to be known as a resource, I don't want to have to be like the sole person these guys need to rely upon. So what, what world can I create internally at the organization? We're all working there together to where just because, you know, my door is shut, you know, and they can't get to me. Like they know there's other ways about going, going about the job the right way. And are asking peers or in most, in most cases, probably figuring it out on their own. Um, you know, so, I mean, I think, you know, while I don't think it would change dramatically. I just think things that will, will, will we've learned from the pandemic ultimately creates more of a, you know, an empowered rep that can figure a lot of this stuff out on their own. Matt, do you yeah. think you'll be that empowered rep? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting. Like, um, it's a funny idea that I think the future might be a little less robotic. Like, I think we've kind of talked about how, especially remotely, like you need to have um, a little bit more compassion, empathy. Um, and that is what kind of allows people to like feel good in their own skin and succeed. So I think that's something that will definitely be carried through um, into the future. Uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a tough question, AJ, with, with the whole future thing. I, I don't have a crystal ball. Predictions, predictions but um, I think... I don't know. I feel like working remotely has definitely shown that, you know, things can be done um, as good or better um, at home versus the office, but it's also the opposite for some other things. So I feel like it's going to be like a recalibration um, and that's, it's going to be like a whole another challenge to figure out once people start going back to the workplace. It's like, you know, what are, what are the things that, that need to be done in the workplace and what could be done at home? And I think that's going to be super interesting. Um, Almost the mindset too, right? Where maybe we realize whether it's necessary or not, we've all proven we could be productive, but like maybe the, the world looks like, you know, we work, we're better suited working in the office two days a week and then working from home three days, right? Like maybe that's like the math that needs to be done. Like, all right, 
the, the days where I can go in, I'm kind of mentally prepared to use it as a, a time to where we can all learn from each other. The two days we're together, setting up times where we can like lean on one another to learn. Uh, and then those other three days were spent for like, for me to just be able to put my head down based on the learnings I took from those two days in the office while I was still making dials. But like also like, all right, all those learnings then can be spent on like three very isolated days where I'm just making calls, right? Um, so, you know, I mean, a lot of different directions you can go in, but I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that could be a path to go down that I'm very comfortable with. Like, and I can say that I, what, I would not say that I could say that comfortably prior to the pandemic. Like all of us feel like, mm-hmm. oh, I only want you in my office. I want everybody in the office five days a week. And yeah. I think we all can comfortably say once we've made that, now that we've made that transition, the world's, you know, proven that we're all capable of working remote, that there's, we all have to be open to the idea of Matt saying, hey, would you mind if I work from home today? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, Yeah, it's going to be interesting, I think, because the way I sort of see the future, I don't have a crystal ball either. But if I had to guess, I think there's going to be it's going to be some sort of split, right? If some people are going to want to go back five days a week, they want that office environment to work in. Some people are going to stay home all five days of the week. And then I think a lot of people are going to do, you know, two days a week, three days a week, four days a week, something like that in the office Do do a split like that. Um, and that's where I think it's important for you, Craig, that was a great idea to say like, let's come in on the same day. Let's all learn from each other. Cause if you don't do something like that, then you have half the team coming in on Tuesday and Wednesday and half the team coming in on Thursday and Friday. And someone shows up on Monday. Like you won't get that peer to peer interaction that we were talking about that used to be so valuable that we want to get back to again. So, um, I think that's something that's important for managers to do. You've already got, got it nailed down. So (laughs) good for your reps in the future, but like being able to facilitate regardless of what kind of environment it is, being able to facilitate it for your whole team so that it's, it's best for everyone, I think is, is going to become a a huge part of really just any management role, even if it's not sales development. Yeah. Almost like a, like a cultural shift, you know, like in how uh, work is done. Like, I remember applying to internships and, like, it'd be like, oh, remote role. Like, I'm, I'm not applying to that. Oh, that's crazy. Who would want to do that? But, like, now it's, like, fully valid to work remotely. And I think yeah. it's going to raise a lot of interesting questions and, like, different ways of doing things than we haven't thought about. Yeah. The average manager's got to shift their mindset now, right? Because, like you said, Matt, like, that job you ordinarily would have looked at as a remote role, like, yeah, I don't want to do that. No, I mean, I don't know. Everybody, you know, at least 50% of the work workforce would say, ah, I mean, I'd be open to that. I can prove I can do it. And frankly, we're all used to this now, right? I didn't even know what it'd be like going back to an office five days a week. It's, it's going to take me a while to get used to that, you know, at this point. Yeah, I don't want to get back in my car and drive. The traffic to get to my office from my bedroom is minimal at best. (laughs) Yeah, right. The best (laughs) dog gets away, but like that's it. Absolutely. Um, Awesome. Well, do you guys have any last? uh, Just as we're wrapping up, any last like thoughts or um, I don't know points of wisdom that you want to leave the audience with? um, That outside of what we've already talked, I feel like we dove into a ton of stuff. Um, and it's going to be a very dense episode for me to unpack and edit. So, so thanks a lot, but, um, I think it'll be really valuable. So I don't know. Yeah. If you guys have one last thing you want to mention to the audience before we, we wrap some stuff up. What do you think, Matt? Go ahead. Um, I'm just going to use this time to plug our, our SDR symposium and stay tuned for the next one. That's actually a really good point. One of the, 
one of the things that we've done, Matt came to, came to us with this idea of having, because we're not learning through osmosis anymore, like Craig was talking about, um, having a monthly sort of get together internally at Demand Drive where we pull some of the top SDRs and have them talk about a specific topic. So flipping pipeline and sort of how to et effectively communicate with them. That was the one we did in January. And we had three rockstar SDRs who gave all of their insight to the rest of the company. And, you know, I think it was really valuable. So um, yeah, be able to look up for the next one, I guess, Matt, using your time to shamelessly plug his idea. I love it. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Yeah, that's good. Uh, the only tie up I would say guys is, you know, we all know, I mean, I think really the, the one word I would use is empathy, both prospects perspective and your employees perspective, like start there, man. I, I, I feel like that's probably something I, that's probably the biggest thing that I've learned. Empathy and authenticity are, you know, required at a, probably at an all time high now in terms of what needs to be done and, and, and executed upon for everybody, you know, that we all kind of require that now, um, you know, and, you know, I think that ultimately will you know, be a big driver to success as a business development rep. And, you know, what I want anybody on my team um, and would, would look for from them. And I want, I'd expect the same. I want them to have expect the same in return from me. Right. So and I would look at now, now in this new world and getting adjusted to being remote, that's definitely the biggest thing I think I've learned through this whole thing. Yeah. I'd echo that for sure. Um, Alex, do you have anything you took away from this that you want to, you know, last final point, feel like I, you know, I've never had a co-host sure. before. So do I ask <laughs> No, you? I mean, I mean, if there's one thing I, I took a lot away from you guys and, you know, with AJ as my manager, and obviously we're not in the SDR role, we're on the marketing side of things here. So it's been a little different, but um, really just the, the idea that you have to be, you have to be proactive, both as the manager and the managee, I guess would technically be the word. Uh, <laughs> um, but really to like, being, being proactive and being purposeful about what you're doing and how you're going about it is, is really the best way to maintain that, that communication and that relationship from, from what it was before, where you could be unintentional about it and still, you know, get your work done and get the feedback you needed. Now you really do have to be intentional and proactive. And um, as long as you do do that, though, it, it can even come with some advantages. So um, definitely some good insights all throughout. Nice. Love it. Um, all right. Well, we'll wrap things up, Matt, uh, Craig, where can people, I guess, find more stuff that you've talked about or, or written? I don't know. You guys have LinkedIn profiles you update often. Yes, yeah, Matt. we do. Um, <laughs> mine, mine is Matt Berman. Um, there's a little meditation guy in front of my name, Matt. Um, so don't be fooled by these other Matt Bermans. Um, Those imposters. Yeah, I'm the real one. But um, yeah, happy to talk to whoever on there. Same deal here, yeah. Craig Ferrara, Demand Drive, look me up. Uh, and obviously, I, I'm always open to have conversations, ways, ways we can get better, different ways to think outside the box, right? Um, the forum is always open. Love it. Awesome. Well, thanks uh, for listening to this episode of uh, Unsubscribe Five Questions with Matt and Craig. Stay tuned for the next episode and subscribe if you haven't already. What are you waiting for, people? This is good stuff. This is high quality content. What are you doing? What are you doing? Subscribe. <laughs> thanks, Matt. Um, all right. Thanks, everyone. Till next time.
Thanks for listening to this episode of Unsubscribe. Remember, to get less unsubscribe emails in your inbox, subscribe to Unsubscribe and get your SDR team in tip-top shape. See you next week.